1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Enterprise Biz Bytes. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm joined in the studio today by... Russian Kanesun. It is Monday, the 14th of August, 12.05 here in the studio, coming up to 12.06. You've had a busy weekend this weekend. I saw you were here uh, over the weekend. Yes, yes, we were here Saturday
0: evening covering the state elections and the results thereafter. And I'm how sure. exciting was that? Uh, it, was, it, uh, was <laughs> it was certainly yeah. something. It was certainly something. It was interesting. It was interesting to see how things played out. Obviously, a mm-hmm. uh, clean sweep for pass, uh, for Perikatan National in Trangano. Um A complete wipeout of Barisan National in Kedah. Mm. Uh, Kelantan, I think, Pakatan plus BN won one seat. I think that was uh, Amana won one seat there. Yeah. So, interesting to see how it plays out. I'm sure... Uh, our friends in Morning Run mm-hmm. Evening Edition and uh, Bigger Picture will be covering this in all its uh, glory and all uh-huh. its iterations and all its iterations uh, Morning Run had obviously the grill this morning yeah. where they spoke with Onkian Ming and as well as former let's see ah, Datuk, Dr. Mazuki Muhammad who is an associate professor with I I U M. they also had former principal private secretary to former PM Tansri Sri Muhyiddin Yassin and of course as I mentioned earlier Dr. Onkian Ming and they were breaking down the yeah. numbers over the weekend
1: so um, lots, I'm sure lots of coverage to come, but uh, we will not be doing that. No, we're not doing that today. We have a, a different conversation in mind. We're going to be looking into a topic that has also been making headlines and sparking, um, let's say, conversations across Malaysia. Uh, just like the, this one. Just like this one. <laughs> the progressive wage policy. So uh, as uh, Malaysia grapples with stagnator salary growth and the rising cost of living. The, uh, the government is considering a progressive wage policy aimed at boosting the labour market and supporting the diminished wage share in our country. So very simply, as uh, noted by uh, Dr. Jeffrey Williams in his FMT opinion piece, he says a progressive wage model, uh, PWM, is a form of job-specific minimum wage where salaries rise regularly on a controlled pay scale based on skills training, career development, and strategies to increase productivity. He notes that this is mostly used in types of jobs where salaries do not rise very much because productivity and the value out of the work is difficult to improve. Typically, these include things like clear... Security guards, uh, gardeners, maintenance staff, and, and retail workers—very
0: so uh, easily quantifiable workloads, right? So right. at least the productivity—you know what the productivity entails Correct. here, so you can manage that. Yeah. Uh, the idea uh, that he notes here is that the wages will increase if the worker enhances their skills, mm. which hopefully would improve the productivity to compensate employers for paying higher wages. Now there are while while that sounds good, there are a lot of hurdles in the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, among other things, including how do you just, how do you calculate this? How do you keep track of it? How do you enforce all of this? Especially in Malaysia, where it's become, where the proposed uh, policy is voluntary. So now the proposed (laughs) policy is also not just about increasing salaries. I think there's an underlying uh, theme that it wants to create a system uh, while voluntary, um, it's incentive based and it's linked to productivity in a way. So, with nearly two million of our workforce earning less than two thousand ringgit a month, there are many blue-collar workers seeing salari- salaries plateau. Right, and this is something mm. that we've seen. Wage stagnation has been a topic for decades now. And mm. uh, this policy is supposedly going to be a game changer. Game changer. We keep hopefully. hearing that a lot. Hopefully, uh, game changer policies happen every other year, Rich. right? You know, right. Says we've got some game changer here. New government, another game changer policy. Just different <laughs> wrapper around it. Careful. Uh, careful. Um, But as with any significant reform... There are always going to be questions, concerns, Mm. uh,
1: needs for clarity, as well as uh, hurdles along the way. Helping us out with uh, hopefully some of that clarity today, (laughs) uh, we'll be hearing from uh, Fidaos Rosli. He's the chief economist of Bank Islam Malaysia. He's with us right now to shed some light on the topic. We're going to be exploring the potential impact of this policy potentially on our economy, the sectors that stand to benefit the most, the challenges that lie ahead. Uh, We've got a long show ahead of us. Uh, We'll also be delving into the broader implications for Malaysia's position in the ASEAN region. now, this policy aligns with some of those global economic trends. And if you do have any comments on this, and I'm sure some of you do, get us via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, 18 789 You can also get us on Twitter. We are at BFM Radio. And, of course, I want to welcome Fidaos Rosti, Chief Economist for Bank Islam Malaysia. Welcome to the show, sir. Hi, thank you. Thank How you are you today? Me. Good. You Good. had a busy weekend as well, I bet.
2: Uh, I try not to. <laughs> 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 I went out uh, to vote on, on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and there's still mark on my my thumb here, right?
1: Um, and that's it. So let's um, let's start out with a, a fairly simple question. And be careful where we go with this. <laughs> um, your initial impressions then of the proposed progressive wage model that's meant to be voluntary, incentive based, and productivity linked. Your initial impressions, okay. Let me start by saying this.
2: Um, first of all, um, we, we need to ascertain why we need a new wage model in the mm-hmm. first place. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the narrative is pretty clear. One, as you rightly pointed out just now, is about wage stagnation, which is about maybe 12% of Malaysia's total workforce earns less than uh, 2,000 ringgit a month. Yeah. And secondly, one, one uh, fact that uh, not many of us talk about is that the median income growth um, of Malaysia since 1992, 1995 to 2022, which was last year, is actually lower than our nominal uh, nominal GDP growth. Uh, so what what it means is that the the expansion of the economy does not translate. Li- does not translate into uh, wage or income to the people. So m- perhaps we need a new one, but perhaps we need a new one because we already have one, which is the minimum yeah. uh, wage um, policy. Yeah. So, the minimum wage policy, what what it has done so far is that, one, it has lifted the income of the B40 and we have seen that um, the income of B40 has risen to a level that we have not seen in decades because of the minimum mm-hmm. wage policy. Mm-hmm. Now, before I, before I proceed, let me just uh, make <laughs> it very clear <laughs> that the minimum wage is not intended to push wages higher. Mm. It mm. is all about to protect workers from duly low pay. Yeah. That's it. And that's the reason why we call it minimum wage and not average wage. So people are always, or maybe living wage, which people might uh, get confused between these uh, few terms. So, uh, but, but what we have seen so far is that if we were to compare this with other neighboring countries, such as, such as Indonesia, the minimum wage for the same period from 2014 to, uh, to 2022 has increased by 125% versus us, which is about 67%, I think. So, the the, the minimum wage level in our neighbouring country has really doubled, in fact more than double, but not so much for us. Mm-hmm. So, there, there, perhaps there is a need for a, a newer look, not necessarily model, newer look to how we... How we, um, you know, pursue our wage model. So now, just a month ago, um, Economy Minister Rafizi Ramli said there will be a progressive wage model, which we which will be mandatory, uh, and those com- uh, the industries or companies that are subject to the list uh, should be uh, should be uh, the 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 progressive wage um, increment over over the years should be made mandatory, um, but about uh, two weeks ago, I think, uh, 7th, 7th of uh, August, it appears that it is um, voluntary. voluntary, incentive-based and productivity-linked. Mm. What it means is that um, it's just a guideline. So it is it is going to be, um, well, because it's non-voluntary, so it is, it's just a guideline and, you know, uh, companies or industries can opt-in or opt-out uh, without having, um, w- without
0: penalty. So now that it's voluntary, does it essentially lack any? teeth to move the needle in terms of uh, wage progression, which then makes it basically the same as the minimum wage model.
2: Perhaps we should um, ask ourselves whether we need one that, that bites more than um, the minimum wage mm-hmm. uh, policy. Uh, what What we know is that the minimum wage policy has has worked so far. What has not worked as far as minimum, minimum wage policy is concerned is the enforcement bit of it. Right. You know, uh, it, has, it has, you know, done like what I said, you know, it has lifted the, the income of B40, et etc, et So it, it works. And besides the minimum wage policy makes it easier for us to compare across countries, whereby progressive wage model, because it's sectoral based and perhaps it's not just sectoral based, it's sub-sectoral, sub-sector based. So it's, it's very niche and it's going to be much difficult for policymakers
1: or analysts alike to make a comparison across countries, what's in it for the employers then? Who you know decide to volunteer? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they benefit from this? Uh, not sure, <laughs> because it's
2: still it's it's a voluntary scheme. Yeah. So I mean, if I if I were in the industry, I would probably opt in to get the incentives. Mm. But we have to be sure whether the incentive goes directly to the workers right. or will it be treated as income yeah. or, or profit to, to, the, uh, to the company. Mm. So we do not know what's the, what's the actual mechanism on how that incentive mm. to the uh,
0: progressive wage model would be. Mm. Um, So the proposed progressive wage model is expected to provide guidelines, as we noted uh, for annual salary revisions across a variety of sectors, uh, jobs and stages. Um, In your view, which sectors do you think are in most need of wage policy reform? Uh, and how might they benefit from it, right? So yes, we have minimum wage here, but minimum wage, while has while it has been effective to bring up minimum incomes, isn't the be all and all because we do want people to have wage growth over the longer term. So, which sectors are most vulnerable to stagnant mm-hmm. wages, and uh, how might they benefit from a wage model, a progressive wage model?
2: Um, I think the those that uh, those sectors or subsectors that should be included in the guideline are those within the lowest average wage per worker in Malaysia. And there are two broad umbrella um, sectors. One is uh, labour-incentive uh, in, uh, intensive industries, such as agriculture, plantation, accommodation and restaurants, construction, wholesale and retail, um, and also domestic workers. We should also, um, about speaking about domestic workers, they are exempted from the um, minimum wage yeah. policy. So. Perhaps we should think about that too, mm. and the other one is capital intensive in uh, industries such as manufacturing, and not just any manufacturing, but mostly in FMB and wood based um, uh, industries, and um, and also transportation, um, such as you know the the people in the gig uh, workers, um, mm. delivery 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 riders, uh, grab drivers, etc. Mm. So these may be. Uh, some of the examples that I think uh, would be beneficial to be part of the Progressive Wage Model Guidelines.
1: Okay, we need to take a short break here, folks. Uh, do get in touch with us if you want to uh, comment on this topic that we're discussing. 018-789-8899 is our Mobile WhatsApp number. We're taking a look at Malaysia's proposed progressive wage policy, uh, a potential solution to stagnated salary growth and rising living costs, or is it just... Speak. We'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
0: Birkins
1: for Mama, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm joined in the studio by... Roshan Kennison. And uh, today we are talking about a topic that's on uh, quite a few people's tongues right now. We're looking into the topic that's uh, making headlines, sparking conversations across Malaysia, the progressive wage policy. We are grappling with stagnated salary growth and the rising cost of living, and the government is considering a progressive wage policy aimed at boosting the labour market and supporting the diminished wage share in our economy. We have uh, Fidaos Rosli, the chief economist, with us here in the studio from Bank Is. Islam, Malaysia. Um, Fido, just before the break, we were asking you about um, how it's expected to provide guidelines and, uh, and who was most in need of this. What about um, giving the, the potential challenges of implementing a progressive wage model? What measures should be in a place to ensure that SMEs can adapt without compromising their financial stability? If it was
2: if it was a mandatory scheme or, or a model then um, there will be clear challenges for businesses to comply with the with the new model um, like um how we saw the 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 implementation of minimum wage in 2013 for example where the you know some there, there were quite a number of discussions back then centered around whether unemployment rate will go up uh, as a result of introducing the minimum wage uh which he did mm. <laughs> temporarily, only for a year, and then it came down, and then when we uh, pushed the um, minimum wage higher to one thousand ringgit and streamlined it across uh, across the country, that um, actually, you know, given a little bit of blow to unemployment rate, but then it it, uh, it normalised again in the in the following year, and then it sort of stable um, um, uh, t- throughout the year since um, uh, since then. But if it's just a guideline, i.e., non meditary then um, I don't see a clear hurdle for uh, companies right. to adhere to it. Yeah. Because, like I said, they can opt in or opt out uh, depending on you know w- whatever uh, whatever they want, and there will be any penalty as well, which means that um, the in the event that companies choose to adhere to the guideline then it will probably be because of the wage subsidy uh, rather than Mm. you know to you know to propagate that you know what my company has this kind of uh, wage Mm. model so Mm. invest in me
0: kind of thing Mm. and and you know that and that brings up um, certain Topics or not, not topics? Issues around essentially corporate welfare, right? Business welfare. It's like okay, in order to do anything that benefits people, um, here's what we're going to give you to do so, right? Wage subsidy programs, corporate incentives, tax incentives, also things. And that's the kind of bargaining power, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not going to use enforcement to do it, you have to use the carrot. I suppose, the stick kind of mechanism. Pridas, mm-hmm. uh, we actually have a question. It's come in uh, from uh, number ending very nice, 0001. Maybe uh, a very early uh, MI6 uh, <laughs> agent. <laughs> anyway, bad joke there, guys. Moving on. Um, There's but, a three digits. This is four digits. I know. Yeah, so this would be like
1: a very, very late ba- one. Beta program. Beta, okay. program. <laughs> beta
0: program. beta program. Beta program. you bring um, him today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, question here, basically, um, unions. Wouldn't they be a better mechanism to negotiate progressive wage revision? So, um, yeah, I pose this question to you. Do you have a view on Mm. the roles that maybe unions could have played instead uh, in terms of better wages for Malaysians?
2: Well, we have the right mechanism for unions to thrive today um, because of um, the ratification of comprehensive and progressive trade. Uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership. C-P-T-P-P. C, CPTPP, right? Is that oh. what it's called now? Yeah, yeah, it's a mouthful, man. And um, so w- w- what it means is that um, uh, with the ratification of CPTPP, there are like eight or nine laws uh, and bylaws um, uh, related to labour that we have to amend, uh, which, which are amended already. And one of them uh, is freedom of association. Uh, and... Uh, which means that any one of us can create a trade union now. And not just that, freedom, freedom of association means that you can also crisscross between industries as well. So you may be, you know, um, a member of QPEX today and tomorrow you'll be a new. York. So there's, there's no limitations to um, movements of uh, members within union and intra and inter-unions mm-hmm. um, right now. So um, going back to the question, whether it would be a better me- mechanism Sure, it will, but it's a voluntary scheme mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of the day. So um, union will just go like, yeah, sure, you can do pretty much, you know, whatever mm. you want. And um,
0: yeah, thank you very much. So the power of a union, essentially, if we look towards Hollywood right now and the writer strikes and the actor strikes is that you make the employers suffer by withholding service, correct? So you make the, you impact the businesses and their ability to continue to churn out product and churn out service. Um, that's not something we've necessarily seen in Malaysia, at least not in the last 10, 20 years. Um, is it realistic as you, have you as you've pointed out there? Um, there's also a seemingly lack of teeth when it comes to unions here, maybe because. The awareness around a power of a union isn't as uh, strong. Strong. What? Mm. Well, any thoughts on that? Uh, it. I think
2: it comes down to a couple of factors. Uh, one of which is just whether unions are, are are financially capable to to run what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Mm. Really. Um and secondly, you know, Malaysians being Malaysians, we we are peace loving people. You know, mm. we don't really go out. Don't like conflict. No. Nah, yeah. No. Nah, we 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 are only confrontational, you know, on the internet.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're really good at, by the way. Really, really good.
2: And yeah. that's it. Yeah. You know, we we are very peace loving people. We don't really go out and picket, you know, and I mean, we we can once in a while put our play card and all that, but then you know it would it would just disrupt my rice bowl at the end mm-mm, of the day. Mm-mm. So why bother doing it mm. for the sake of you know just about seeking or opi- uh, voicing out an opinion of something that you know mm. may or
0: may not mm. you know, happen to, to change mm. eventually. Possibly that lack of belief, right? That your voice or your ability to makes act on the street makes a difference. Yeah. So then it comes back to like, uh, why, why bother? Mm. Mm. Yeah, why bother? Mm. So, so now we look towards right. the government to introduce a policy that becomes mandatory which, which becomes voluntary and it leads us back to this well, whole here's, conundrum, here's the thing. right?
2: If, if we want to initiate a, a reform, there has to be Not just carrot and stick You've got to have like Both You know An electric chair Alongside with it You know, Because you've got to It has to be punitive enough For people to Actually adhere Follow And adopt it Yeah Uh, And
1: Because We are changing something From zero actually Mm. Well let's talk about You know Wage stagnation Is is not just something That's common to Malaysia Obviously People around the globe Are talking about this Mm -hmm. How does what we are What the government Is suggesting here Differ from what's Happening worldwide um, not much
2: really. So basically there are three things that I could uh, think of. One is that, um, it's, we, we have to understand whether the wage growth and labor productivity move in, uh, uh, in tandem over the years. So one may go higher than the other, which which may lead to which um, stagnation and we must ascertain whether that's the case. Secondly, is the increasing financialization, where, you know, the increase uh, of uh, the use of debt uh, and, and uh, any financial instruments would make the financial related sectors going higher in terms of average per worker, leaving others down there, mm-hmm. like in the case of plantation. Mm. I mean, low wage, low skill yeah. um, industries. So we must sustain whether that is the case. Or well, thirdly, it's maybe because of technological and, uh, advancement or the lack of it, or, and sorry, and or the, the globalisation bit. Because, uh, like, like, if we were to compare ourselves with Vietnam and Indonesia, for example, they are more aggressive when it comes to globalization, yeah. you know, um, especially Vietnam, because they were the one who, you know, set up a trade agreement with South Korea because they couldn't get into the U.S. Um, on, on a, uh, directly, so they had to go to South Korea first. Uh, to get into the US and the EU, and eventually they got their own highway with the US and the EU. Like um, in our case, we've been ding dong about having a trade agreement with the US and later with the EU, and then you know this is that's just very complicated. But um, what what I'm trying to say here is that um, these these are the factors that cause the um, wage stagnation um, in in the case of Malaysia. Maybe we have to deep dive into what really caused the the um, the, the the situation, and I think um, basically it's uh, it's because because we are over dependent on competitive advantage, mm. and we do we do not know how to graduate from it. So when when there is an, an increase in cost, which Eventually, lead to higher inflation. People start to get agitated, and then the government—you know—people look at the government. You know, are you going to help me out? And then the government say, "Okay, don't worry, I got your back." And mm. then the cycle continues. Mm, mm. So, you know, we we cannot move from competitive to comparative advantage simply because of this.
0: And obviously, politics come uh, along with it as well. Mm, mm. So, you mentioned globalization uh, there um, now. I think it's been quite clearly as it, uh, determined through this conversation that um, the impact of a progressive wage model may be limited given the fact that it's voluntary. I think that's the mm. key component here. Um, wages play a big role in most costs across businesses there. Um, how do you see, if we had a, pro- a mandatory progressive wage model, how would we then compete uh, on ASEAN level, right? Just following up on that point you made earlier, um, because if competitiveness, if competitiveness, competitiveness, and a fight to the bottom in terms of pricing becomes mm. the competitive advantage, then there is no real incentive to raise wages, right? Because the the lure to attract FDI and mm, businesses mm, here it becomes mm. oh we're cheap to manufacture in, we have low wages, but you can't fight other countries if you want to go. It's a fight to the bottom. Yeah.
2: Okay. That's, a, that's an excellent question. First of all, we must understand whether uh, if we were to have a progressive wage model that is mandatory in nature, then should we abolish or get rid of minimum wage order? Mm. Because you can't have two different wage models mm-hmm. working in parallel. I mean, the, the reason why Singapore chose the progressive wage model instead of minimum wage is because they are a city-state. You know, it's much easier for them to go to the ground and then ascertain what level of wage uh, at each industry. And also, it is is also easier for a small city-state to, you know, give incentives as far as training. Mm -hmm. And then you can see the progression much clearly versus having minimum wage. For a big country like us, where we have... You know a very sophisticated industry and we have a very low wage low-skilled industry in plantation etc so there's a very wide uh, variety of um need as far as getting labors inspectors are concerned so we have about say less than 400 the last i checked huh? we have less than 400 labors inspectors to uh, over 16 million um uh, our labor force in Malaysia, so that's quite a bit of work for mm-hmm. our labor inspectors to be go very into. Busy. Yeah, mm-hmm. extremely busy. I mean, mm-hmm. how how can you monitor these things? So if we can't get uh, the minimum wage r- right, so, you know, to, to you know, to move towards progressive wage, there must be a clear need for it, and that clear need, perhaps, um, I think, is to maybe to provide that kind of the wage ladder. That minimum wage does not have, mm. like um, it's productivity linked, and, and then there are incentive wage subsidies mm. that comes along with the progressive wage model, which means that you know the government would have to spend more, mm. you know, to to ensure that you know wage goes up in uh, over time. But how can we do this without without talking about our fiscal position, without talking about you know the new sources of taxation? Um, or sources of revenues whether we, you know, whether the current taxation system is adequate whether, you know, not just about you know the GST, indirect in tax um, but also about direct taxes as well. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, are we competitive enough to have the kind of uh, tax rate uh, for personal and corporation at this level and, you know, whether it is
1: um, in sync with the level of development of a country like Malaysia. So, the uh, Madani Economy framework has um, been a significant talking point recently. How does this model that we're discussing right now uh, align with the broader goals of, of that Madani Economy, and, and what synergies do you think maybe we can expect, if at all? If, if at all. So
2: the Madani Economy, the Madani Economy framework, to me, is extremely ambitious, Um, which is not a bad thing because I I think there is a need for us to, you know, throw the ball a little bit further uh, to, you know, to sort of uh, give a different look into how we look at policymaking in this country. Um, I can't really pinpoint how the progressive wage model can create that kind of pathway towards the... 45% 45% wage to GDP yeah. um, target. Mm. But uh, a better way, I think, to push, the, uh, to push wages higher is through the minimum wage. Because as minimum wage goes up in time, so will the medium wage. And right. when medium wage goes up, so will the average wage mm. of, uh, of Malaysians. So we, what we notice is that um, the, the rate of increase in minimum wage has led to a higher increase in median wage. And even higher increase in average wage in Malaysia over the last uh, 10 years. So here's the thing. Wage to GDP always suffers following a crisis. And we have seen this in, uh, global after following the global financial crisis, the, COVID, uh, the COVID-19. Um, so it, it, it will always come down. But what is interesting is that the, the modern economy does not really incorporate that element of economic crisis and the impact to policymaking. Because if you notice, in the case of Malaysia, our policymaking happens to, you know, tends to change <laughs> drastically following a crisis. And that's, that's something that's natural. Yeah. So if the minimum wage today is RM1,500, uh, at a wage to GDP level of 32.4%, can you imagine how much should the minimum wage be if the, in within 10 years, in 10 years time, the wage to GDP should be at 45%. My back of the envelope calculation suggests that, uh, that the minimum wage should triple in 10 years time. That is assuming that our nominal GDP growth stands at 7% and I'm not... You know, without taking into account the effect of inflation yet. So, what is happening here? If you think about it from the perspective of economic model, where uh, with if you increase the wage, so the the the, um, uh, the 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 demand curve will shift to the right, and we keep continuing shifting to the right, which eventually would. You know, push prices yeah. higher, um, But we're not talking about the supply curve here. Yeah. Will will the supply curve shift to the left as a result of all of this? So which few, means that there would be, there should jobs be available. yeah, be more investments, more technological uh, adoption, uh, more liberalisation as far as economic um, policies are concerned. You know, in order for us to ensure that inflation do do not uh, move in tandem with the the right shift of the demand curve. Mm. If that does not happen, then the if recessionary gap um, would only get wider for Malaysia. Which means that for us to maintain everything as is, the government would have to pump in more and more money to ensure that the the economy does, does not tip into a recession in the second or the third year of the. Of of, um, of having the ten percent
0: increase. So, what with that in mind, I think as we come to a close in the conversation today, maybe to wrap up, um, how what is a sustainable way of doing this? Because on one end, if the, the tripling of a minimum wage over uh, ten years is quite an astounding uh, growth rate for wages in that sense, um, and if that's the if that's how you see um, increasing the wage share. What is a more realistic way of getting this done, right, of getting us to a 45% wage share where more of that GDP growth is being translated into higher wages as opposed to continuing this lagging uh, of wages in comparison to GDP, even nominal GDP growth? Well, I
2: believe that um, any kind of reform or transformation for that matter uh, would have to be made progressively. Oh, sorry. Organically, not progressively. Organically means that we have to ensure that all supply, related supply chains would have to move with you know as we move one variable because the ripple effect of changing one variable will have you know will, will be significant um, if if at all uh, across all um, all other variables as well. So you know, like for example, since we're talking about which level, if we were to increase the wage to GDP by 1%, there will, you know, there will be ripple effect throughout the, all the entire supply chains related to wages, which is pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we have to understand that it is not that simple. And if, if we still want to pursue this, which means that we have to be very, very comfortable with inflation.
1: All right, on that note, we should wrap up for today's show. (laughs) Thank you so much for that, Fidoz. That was really good. Uh, Of course, we've been speaking with Fidos Rosli, the Chief Economist of Bank Islam Malaysia. Um, If you did miss any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. Uh, That's also uh, in the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also catch us on Spotify and, of course, all those other players. Just search for Enterprise Biz Bytes. Now, um, don't go anywhere, though, because coming up after the one o'clock news, it's the breakfast grill replay uh, and uh, over the weekend of course we saw the conclusion of the state polls for Sulangor, Pilang Grisimbalan, Kadat and Trunganu, and the breakfast grill dissected the results voter turnout and state government formation with Dr. Onkian Ming former Bangi MP and Deputy Miti Minister as well as uh, Dr. Mazuki Mohammed the former Principal Private Secretary to a former PM Tantri Makhidin Yassin that's all coming up after the one o'clock news uh, don't go anywhere though keep it here on BFM 89.9 on behalf of myself and Roshan of course, this has been Enterprise Biz Bytes here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.